Welcome to the Michelob Ultra Golf Show with Jeff Kolpak on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM. That's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! The Golf Show is presented to you by Michelob Ultra. Also brought to you in part by Fargo Park District Public Golf Courses, Barnesville Grocery, Moorhead Parks, Forest Hills Golf Course, and Wildflower Golf. Here it comes. Oh my goodness. seen anything like that now let's head to the first tee this guy's pretty good and here's your host jeff kolpak and this is the golf show on 740 the fan 107.3 fm brought to you in the gunnerson jewelers studio well my next guest would have a positive attitude and a smile on the face on her face if it was eight feet of snow in july that's just the way you roll. Amy Let, Olson joins let's us. Let's not test me on that yeah, one. <laughs> Welcome. How are you? Thank you. Glad to be here, Jeff. I'm yep. doing great. Uh, yeah, just looking forward to getting back out where there's some green grass and seeing the ball fly a little bit further than 10 feet into a simulator. No doubt. Um, give our listeners, get us up to speed what you've been doing since the season ended last year and, and how your off season has gone. Yeah, so my season ended last year, uh, first week in November. So this has been the longest off season I've ever had. Uh, the way I finished last year, I finished like 107th on the money list, which top 100 keep their full status on tour. So yep. I've ended up in kind of a, a category where I have partial status. So for this year, uh, you know, we've we've had a couple events already on the LPGA. Tournament of Champions started us out, a couple limited field events in Asia, and then two uh, full field domestic events so far, which since we haven't had a lot of events, all the top players are playing those mm-hmm. first couple of events. So playing in Hawaii here coming up is my first time to you know really have an opportunity to tee it up in 2023. Uh, overall, I've really taken advantage of the off season. I put the clubs away like I usually do for a little while. You've done that forever. I've always done yeah. that. I, I've always really enjoyed just having a mental break, having a little physical break. I mean, I still work out. I'm, you know, obviously playing pickleball, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind yep. of fun stuff. We'll get into that later. Yeah, yep. But, um, you know, it's just nice for me to have a little bit of time away from the game. And then in mid-January, I started swinging again. And just based on obviously how my year went last year, I knew there was some stuff that I just wanted to tighten up. I wanted to continue to work on. I'd switched coaches uh, middle of last year. And mm-hmm. so I was really beginning to see the benefits of that toward the end of the year, particularly in my ball striking. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to kind of just use this off season to continue to work on that. And uh, it's been great. I've honestly, I, I've seen a ton of progress. I feel probably the best I've ever felt about my golf swing, which is exciting. Yeah. And um, I think for, you know, for anyone who's played the sport as long as I have, I mean, I'm going on 28, I mean, I don't know. Like Tenth year a, on the tour. A long yeah. time. Tenth year on the tour, obviously college and junior, a lot of junior golf before that. Um, it's really important to, to remain excited about the game and always have something that you're working on and working toward. And so for me, this last coaching change has really given me a fresh perspective, new things to work on, and it has kind of kept me really excited to continue playing. There's a lot of golf geeks that listen to this show. I know that because I hear from them. So specifically, you talk about the golf swing. One or two things, can you describe that? Yeah, so I mean, I'll probably, I mean... 
it kind of breaks down into a couple different things. But on the backswing, it's loading better into my right hip, getting a high right hip so okay. that... You know, right now in golf, one of the biggest things is using the ground effectively. And so getting into my right side early so I can get into my left side earlier and not just laterally into my left side, but down into the ground so I can spring out of the ground. Right. right? So one of the things that I found last year is I just lost a lot of distance. I was hitting it a little thin, a little healy. Very, very consistently. And so that creates a very spinny shot. Um, Misses were a little bit right. And so overall, I just knew something was happening. And what we kind of really narrowed it down to is I'm spinning on top of the ground versus going up or down into the ground and then up out of the ground. Wow. So, um, you know, it's been that that's been exciting. It feels so much more powerful. It feels simpler, to be honest. And we, we all know simple's a good thing when it comes to golf. Kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Amy Olson is our guest. This is Jeff Kopak. This is The Golf Show on 740 The Fan, coming to you from Gunderson Jewelers Studio. I always podcasted on 740thefan.com. It's been popular over the years. 2020, Amy, 13 cuts made out of 16 events. 2021, 17 out of 22. You're, you're cooking. And, and as we know, golf is hard, man. Tom Hoagie shoots a 78 and then comes back with a 62. It's just bizarre how this game can swing. How did you handle last year, which, uh, let's face it, it was, it was not up to your standards? Yeah, for sure. I mean, last year, no doubt, was frustrating. And I'm just going to comment, what Tom did at the players yeah. was awesome. Incredible. I mean, yeah. so, and, and honestly, going, like, I mean, a lot of people can go 62-78. Not many go 78-62. So, I mean, what a what a comeback. Um, well, it takes mental... Stay with itness. It's incredible mental toughness. But you know, even the seventy-eight tells you that he's playing aggressive. Okay, he's not sitting out there, you know, just playing to the middle of the green, yeah. all that. So you know, he's playing aggressive, and when it's on, it's going to be really good. So, anyway, side note, yeah. but he's doing good things. Good side note, fun. by the way. Yeah, exactly. Um, where were we at? Lost well, my train. Your last year. I mean. Oh yeah. You said it was frustrating. Yeah, yeah no, for sure, frustrating. Just because, I mean. The, the previous, um, you know, my in my career now, over over 10 years, you know, I had worked with Dale Helm for, uh, you know, he taught me how to play, got me on tour, you know, mm-hmm. taught me through my first couple years and then made a coaching change, you know, started working with Ron Stockton, which was fantastic, really took my game to that next level, mm-hmm. continued to see just that consistency and improvement every single year. And then this last year was the first year where it was like, we're not trying to do anything different. And Something is not working, you know, and so I think as an athlete and especially like as an individual athlete, you're the CEO, you're the one that has to make the call on is this going the right direction? Is this working? Is it not? And I just knew after just evaluating kind of where we were after a few tournaments, it was not working. And so, um, you know, I I don't I don't need to be out on tour, you know, just, you know, scraping by and making a few cuts here and there like I want to be in contention, mm-hmm. and if I'm not in contention and I don't I don't see that path forward, I don't want to play anymore. So I knew that I needed to make a change to be able to get into that position. I fortunately uh, connected with a coach who's in Charlotte, who, you know, as you could you could tell from what I was saying earlier, I'm excited about. Yep. I think we've made incredible progress. So um, I think the biggest thing for me, just dealing with last year and, and not playing well, is you just keep moving forward. 
And sometimes it's it's hard to know what that is. Sometimes that's sticking with what you're doing mm-hmm. and just waiting for the results to show. But intuitively, I knew that wasn't going to do it for me. And so for me, it was making a change and making a pretty big change at a late part of my career, you know? Sure. And um, so anyway, that was kind of, you know, how I, how I dealt with it is you just have to make a change and you have to keep believing, I think is one of the biggest things. And, um, you know, it's funny because early in your career, everybody's excited, right? They're like, what's, you know, what's going to happen? Everybody believes in you. And then I think, you know, towards the, as you're out there for a number of years, you get a little bit forgotten. You know, people aren't paying attention that much unless you're doing something, you know, really exciting. And so, you know, you can't ride what other people are thinking or saying, because honestly, they're just not saying much. Mm -hmm. And so it comes down to really believing in yourself and, having that group of people around you who you trust that can tell you the truth, you know, you're doing the right thing or you're not. And then you got to kind of stick to your guns. It's easy to come in here when everything's great, right? It's easy to talk about golf when, when you're finishing runner up in the U S open and, and everything's great and you're making all these cuts. Uh, You tell it like it is. And I really appreciate that. Our listeners appreciate that. They know where you stand all the time. And how tough was that for you to realize that, that was there, was there one moment where you go, I got to make a different switch here. Or was that gradual? You talked about a little bit. Yeah, honestly, it was it was really pretty quick for me. Okay, Um, I would say at the beginning of last year, I spent as I have the last four or five years, I've spent the spring out in Palm Springs, and Ron and I got to spend a lot of time together, and we're working on things. And I think when I finally got a chance to put that um, under pressure in competition for a couple weeks in a row. I mean, I'm, I'm going to use the I'm going to use the S word on here, Jeff. Please. I shanked it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I shanked the ball. Steve Kennedy Three. said you don't shank. It's a hosel rocket. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, anyway, so you know, I'm I'm standing over the ball and I'm like, the hosel is in play. I mean, mm. that's a scary place to be as a professional golfer, and so I think after uh, three events in a row where I was just really not comfortable over the ball wasn't seeing improvement. And then I'm about to head over to the East Coast as far away from Ron and his eyes and his guidance as I could get. And I'm like, man, we haven't figured out it out when we've been in person. Mm-hmm. How are we going to figure this out when we're not for the rest of the year? And so I think I just kind of had to have a little bit of a... And, you know, I mean, we we ended things really well. He's always wanted nothing but the best for me. Um, yeah. And he said, he's like, I've known this was coming for a couple months. And I'm sitting here going... I've only known for a couple of days, like, yep. you know, he could have let me in on that secret. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like, I'm always all in until I'm not. And so I continued as long as we were together and we were working, like, I believed in it and I believed we were going to find a solution. And then there was kind of a day where it was like, we're, we're not going to get there. Hmm. And we just got to try something else. We're going to take a break, short break. This is Jeff Kopak. This is the Golf Show on 740 The Fan. We're going to continue our conversation with Amy Olson right after this. Don't look at that brook with your sweet hook. You ain't gone in there. I put money on it, but honey, hold it. There's something in the air. And we're back. This is the Golf Show. It's presented by Michael Obaltra. This is your host, Jeff Kopak. As I've been in this chair for longer than you've golfed, I think, 20, 30 years, Amy Olson is our guest. I looked at your bio and I almost did a double take. 30 years old. I went, you got to be kidding me. 30? <laughs> don't, don't remind me. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm almost 60, so join the club here. 
But um, you're a veteran, and I think you rely, we we're talking about some of the tough times last year, but you got to rely on your experience. You're not 22. I think it would have been different. But you're 30, and you've been on the tour. This is your 10th year. So I think you knew what to do, right? And and how did that help you just being around the game for you know so long, if I may say it that way? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things, and you're absolutely right, because my first couple years, if I had kind of gone through what I went through this last year with some ball striking issues, and um, I think I would have just said, I, I don't have what it takes. You know, it, it it's me. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, I mean, I've been out there for a decade. I know I have what it takes. I know what it takes to be in contention. I know I can do that. Um, and so it's not necessarily me. It's what I'm doing. And those are two very different things. Yep. And so uh, I think that kind of, it, it gave me clarity as far as, you know, it's not just like, hey, we, it's time to walk away. Nope, we just have to do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's hard sometimes, though, Um to know exactly what direction to turn to. And so I went through a process of, of you know, who am I? Because you can't, you can't tr- just trust anyone with your swing. I mean, this is literally like your livelihood. And so I went through kind of an interview process and was talking to some different people, talking to a lot of players and just saying, okay, love your swing. What do you guys do? Mm-hmm. You know, is your coach available? You know, just trying to figure out what was going to be a good fit. And I'm, I'm really fortunate that, that I did find someone who was a great fit. Is Tamika back with your cat as your caddy? Yes, yes, she will. How's be. she doing? She's doing great. Uh, she spent the off season in the Bahamas, and you know she she also is married, has a husband, um, mm-hmm. and her parents run a school there in the Bahamas. So in her off time, she actually spends a lot of time teaching and spends a lot of time um, with kids. And I know down the road. Her goal is to actually take over that school and run right. the school. So, I mean, she's successful and motivated in her own right. And I think in some ways she's viewed this season of life as, as being a caddy as a little bit of an adventure. Uh, she was part of – last time I did a, a rather big story on you, I think it was two years ago, I did your support system, which won a first-place award, by the way. And um, it wasn't – it was the material, not the no, writer. No, I was going to say that has yeah, to be the writer. It, no, but, uh, <laughs> Tamika, I thought, uh, was one of these people, the support system. What about your support system and how it's helped you over the last few years? Because golf, I'm doing the up and down here with my arm. Yeah. My hand. The roller That's coaster. golf, the roller coaster. How does the support system level that off? Yeah. I mean, it's huge, right? I mean, you know, at this point, I've like, like you said, I've played golf for a very long time. I know that the bogeys come as well as the birdies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes you have to just ride out those low moments. Uh, but family and uh, your support system for me, that's been coaches, that's been a caddy. Um, that's been huge for me and just allowing me to continue to have a positive attitude. I'll add to that. I think one of the biggest things for me has been my faith and just believing that everything that you do matters, whether you're in the spotlight or you're not in the spotlight, everything matters. And yet nothing matters. In the end, it's eternity. And I'm sitting there going at the end of my life, I want to be welcomed into heaven and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's not going to have anything to do with how many golf tournaments I won or, you know, trophies I lifted or anything. And so, you know, I kind of have this perspective where every little thing matters and yet Nothing kind of matters at the same time. Do you still see NDSU t-shirts on the tour? <laughs> yeah. All over the place? You know, Go Bison! <laughs> <laughs> I was just down in Palm Springs last week, yeah. and I'm I'm wearing a Bison sweatshirt, yep. walking around, and 
you know, it's 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 a small world. Everybody, a lot mm-hmm. of people in North Dakota end up down in Palm Springs, and sure enough, somebody yells out their window, "Go Bison!" <laughs> right. And anyway, it just always cracks me up. If you wear if you wear anything logoed NDSU, you're going to find friends. Yep. Amy Olson is the guest. This is Jeff Kopak. This is the Golf Show on 7:40 a.m. The fifth largest AM signal in the country. Say hello to everybody in Williston, Winnipeg, Alexandria, and and even Brookings, South Dakota. So. Uh, <laughs> no, okay. bro- Maybe it's just north of Brookings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah just Watertown. North, just north. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you were outspoken, Amy, on I think it was last year on on the purses, LPGA purses, and the dispersal of purses to more players. I think it was. And how did that? How was that received? And and where are we with that? Yeah, I mean, so over the last three years, I had the honor of sitting on the LPGA board Mm -hmm. as one of the player directors. And so that was a chance for me to really step outside just, you know, individual player, like what affects me to a little broader perspective of what affects the tour and what's going to be here when I'm gone, what's going to be here for that next generation. And, you know, I sat through a very interesting three years. First year was COVID, right? And that obviously presented a ton of challenges. Second year, our commissioner, you know, resigned and moved on and we had to hire, you know, a commissioner. And then the third year was all of this Saudi versus PGA versus LPGA, whatever, all of that drama. So that's it's it was a really entertaining three years to be on. But I think one of my biggest takes away post covid was the impact, the financial impact that uh most players really go through on a week to week basis. Um, you know, I've been so fortunate in my career when I came out as a rookie. First of all, I made it through Q school on my first attempt. That doesn't happen all the time, right? Uh, secondly, I had incredible support. I had Bell Bank, Shields, Kalen Family Brands hopped mm-hmm. on with me before I even had status on tour and said, We're going to support you. We're going to help you fund this dream, mm-hmm. right? And I recognize that that was extremely fortunate because a lot of girls who grow up in San Diego or Fort Lauderdale, they don't have, you know, businesses who even know about them and and want to support, you know, the local the local athlete. So, I was really fortunate from the get-go. And as I stepped back and looked at not only that, but post-COVID, everything's more expensive, hotels, airlines, rental cars across the board. And rookies and the first couple, you know, if you're on tour for your first couple years, you're spending over $100,000 a year with zero in guarantee coming in. And so That's like the buy-in. Totally. There's no rookie contract. There yeah. is no draft. Your previous performance means absolutely nothing when mm-hmm. you turn pro. And so I began to just look and and obviously a big part of this is what Live is doing where there's guarantees. What the PGA has now done, where you you have a five hundred thousand dollar guarantee that you're playing against your rookie year, and um, I just looked at it and I'm like, we can't do that. And I get that we can't just offer five hundred thousand dollars, but we could maybe offer a thousand dollars at least for each tournament that you play in, some sort of guarantee, some sort of miscut stipend, whatever. Just something to think outside the box where, like, if you look at our money list, I think we had, I think we had somebody finish over $3 million 
in earnings at the end of the year and a couple over two million and a whole bunch over a million. Yeah. So if you look at the top of our money list, we're good. And we all see we're the names, strong. the quarters. Yeah, we all see those names. And yeah. they're all, you know, doing great in sponsors. They're getting paid to come play some LET events, some different, you know, events around the world. So money wise, and obviously I want them to make so much money it's ridiculous. Like I don't I don't I don't wish anybody, you know, any anything less than they have. But at the same time, for us to have a healthy tour, I've recognized it has to be there. You can't have people starving while you also have, you know, right. the, the other end of the spectrum. So, you know, my goal is just to make sure that everybody who has earned an LPGA tour card, who's earned their way into tournaments, isn't walking away with $4,000 of credit card debt that yeah. they have no idea how they're going to pay right. off. Right. We need to take a break. We need to make some money on the show. Can you stay around? Let's go. Great. <laughs> Amy Olson is a guest. Stay around. This is Jeff Kopak. This is a golf show. I'll be right back. And we're back. This is the golf show with Jeff Kopak on 740. The fan coming to you from Gunnarsson Jewelers Studio. We had a chance to catch up with Amy before she left for the LPGA Tour. And in this segment, she even gave us a little breaking news on her expected family edition. Take a listen. You know, you once told me, Amy, that maybe it's a few years ago, that you're not going to play this game on tour, grind it forever. You know, you're not going to be 50 years old and, and cranking it out. Has that timeline been adjusted at all, or are you just focused on this year? Um, I mean, really, from the kind of the first year I turned pro, I realized you can only plan one year at a time out here and uh sometimes it's a little bit scary you know you'd about the least job security of anybody in the world um but at the same time i've kind of embraced it and known that um you know the the lord who guided me to this point is going to guide me you know whatever direction um it is in the future but no i mean i think uh, at this point so grant and i are actually expecting a baby in september did not know that congratulations thank you so we are very excited there you go. Yes. <laughs> so, you All know, right, yeah. for for this year, you know, I'm going to play until I can't play anymore, until I'm too big. So okay. um, that'll probably put me right around in, in June. Um, I'm hoping to play through June and then we'll kind of see where it goes. But I think, um, you know, long term, like you said, I'm not going to play this game till I'm 50. I, I know for this year, I, like I am in until I'm not in. And so I'm 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 working a hundred percent just like I always have and looking forward to this year and what I will get an opportunity to play. And then at the point where it gets too hard to play, I'll, I'll put the clubs away for the year and probably be one of those things where we reevaluate, uh, down the road. Reevaluate a year at a time. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, speaking of coach Olson and I, I've always wondered this and, and now is probably the good segue to that. What's been, uh, how would I put this, what's gone better, your knowledge of football or has his golf game improved? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that probably depends on the day. Um, I would say his his golf game has probably improved more than my football knowledge, to be honest. I enjoy, I love watching the games. I love getting to know the players and everything, but yep. um, no, I'm not going to sit here and talk about different You're not going to dissect the Tampa 2 defense for oh, us? Definitely, definitely not. <laughs> so I know I know something about lever and spill, and I think that's about all I've picked up over the years. So. <laughs> so I will be married 25 years next December, and it was maybe three years ago where my wife goes, now the linebacker, is that the person that plays here or way back? I went, oh my oh God, my. you're married to a sports writer? 
goes to show you how much work we talk about. Yeah, so. exactly. We're about the same. Beverly Hanson, I talked to, I, I called you up a couple a couple weeks ago. Beverly Hanson, everybody, is a Fargo Central graduate, 1941, was recently named to the World Golf Hall of Fame, will be inducted in 2024 when the when the World Golf Hall of Fame moves to uh, North Carolina. And I texted you and you got right back to me because it's important in that she's the first North Dakotan to get the LPGA Tour and you're the second, which uh, is, is such an elite select group. You told me a story about you ran into Shirley Spork, who was one of the LPGA founders, who, and I'll let you take it from there. She, she knew Beverly. Yeah, well, so Shirley's the last, was the last founding member of the tour who was still alive. And this was back in March of last year. She passed away shortly after. Yeah, a month later. Yeah. month later. So I'm so glad I got the opportunity to ask her because, you know, I hadn't heard of Beverly Hansen until you brought her up maybe the year that I got status on tour. And you kind of dug up this... 2016. Was it 2016? Something around okay. there, yep. And... I had no idea at the time that there was any other North Dakotan who was ever on the LPGA tour. And she kind of just got lost in the archives, I guess. And when you kind of dug that up and did that article, I was like, wow, that is actually really, really cool. Knowing that someone from the state of North Dakota has paved the way, has done this before. And uh, so I, I had never asked anyone about her to see if they remembered. And I walked by Shirley Spork on the range at the Chevron championship. And I turned around and I go, Shirley, I got a question for you. And, you know, I just asked, do you remember a Beverly Hansen who was on tour? Mm -hmm. And Shirley's face lit up and she's like, of course I remember Beverly. And she was telling me, you know, a story that I guess Beverly's parents maybe were chiropractors and they would follow the tour around and they'd give the players adjustments and just they'd set up a table, give them adjustments on the (laughs) go. And I'm like, if that isn't the North Dakotan way, like I don't know what is. So uh, really cool just to hear someone, you know, obviously as much as I esteem as as Shirley just speak so highly of, of Beverly and to remember her so vividly, even, you know, I mean, how many years is it later? 60, 70 years. Um, was, it was really neat. Yeah, she moved to California, I think, and lived there for many years, even after her LPGA tour. So over the years, you just she just got forgotten in Fargo. And I, I was embarrassed as a reporter, honestly. I, I should know about those people. And, and unfortunately, my father, who, who did, who probably covered her, passed away in, in 1993. So that knowledge was was gone from from there. And uh, I just I needed to write a wrong, and that's the way I felt as a reporter. That I think she should be in the Rough Rider Hall of Fame in in North Dakota, the state of North Dakota. Absolutely, she's at the she's at her highest level you can be in the world, no World kidding. Golf Hall of Fame. No kidding. So. That's that'll be my new. That's that's sort of my quest. I'm on. I like it. Well, yeah. you, it, I think you got her into the World Golf Hall of Fame. I don't know <laughs> I don't who's know getting credit, that. but I'm giving you credit. <laughs> no, what got her? Uh, I, I think there's a there's a movement to recognize the LPGA and the original founding members and 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 the and the tour. There certainly is. It, yeah, they. I mean, they were such uh, pioneers. And so ahead of their time, absolute visionaries, and obviously, finally getting recognized for that. What are you looking forward to this year? New courses? Is there tournaments? I think there's a couple new tournaments, isn't there? Yeah, there are a couple new tournaments. Um, The Mizuho Classic is going to be interesting. We're actually pairing LPGA players with some junior golfers. So kind of, you know, trying to pair, obviously, the current stars with maybe the future stars of the game. So that'll be a really fun event. Um, You know, by the time that I'm kind of done playing for the year, it'll be um, June. I'm really hoping I can play in the KPMG and... 
it, this one's pushing it. This one is pushing it, Jeff. But yep, if I qualify yep. for the U.S. Open, I think it's July, you know, like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh is the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. So, so if I could, how do you I, feel, right? If I qualify for that, I, uh, I think I'm going to waddle up there and do whatever I can. <laughs> um, you're due when again? September. September. 18th. Okay, so that'd be kind of just over the six month. Point yeah, there. yeah. So God, that's exciting. That's just. That's a great, you know, good for you and, and Grant. That's that's good stuff. A uh, couple things before I let you go. Uh, your Golfer Africa charity. Uh, by the way, the stocking cap that you gave me is the warmest cap I've ever had. That thing is the Isn't bomb. Isn't it the best? And I've needed it this winter. <laughs> no. It is the best. Uh, where are you with that? Yeah, I've continued to stay involved with it. Uh, I'll play a couple events for them this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year still, I did a couple last fall, and they just do a great job of going to different clubs sometimes. Uh, sometimes they do something in connection with an LPGA event and have 20 LPGA players come out and play with uh, donors and everything. So I'll continue to be involved with that. And um, yeah, I mean, we're one year closer to the goal. I think by 2030, we're looking at clean water for the entire world. So it's pretty exciting that we are that close to actually solving this problem. And our generation is going to be the one to do it. Where did you start? When you started Golf for Africa, how far off were you from clean water for everybody in the world? Well, um, so just to clarify, I didn't yeah. start Golf for Africa. Betsy King did, and I've just been fortunate to be to okay. be involved. When, you, when, I, got when you involved, got started, when yes. I got involved, yeah. 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 Um, I'm honestly not sure what like what the target date was at that point. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it seemed like one of those those problems where it's like you're just kind of continually throwing resources at, and it's like when is this going to end? And Fortunately, it really has become a movement. I think two days ago or yesterday was World Water Day. And um, I mean, it's really become something that different governments around the world and a lot of nonprofit organizations have thrown a ton of resources behind. So definitely a worldwide effort. And to be able to see that in seven years, everybody in the world will have access to clean water is such a it's it's honestly mind blowing like yeah. you said, to think about from, I know. from where yeah. it started and how many people have lacked access for so long. It's like curing world hunger. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it almost sounds too good to be true. Mm-hmm. I just, it's amazing. How, how can people donate? Um, uh, golfforafrica.org is the easiest yeah, it's place. It's F-O-R-E, by the way. F- yep. Yes, golf, F-O-R-E, yep. Africa.org. And um, I, yeah, just uh, donate on there. And I'm not sure if I have a specific well, honestly, at the moment. I finished one last year, and I'll have to check and see if you can donate to my specific one. But regardless, it all goes the same place. Where's your well? Um, I just have, I've fundraised for, I've fundraised now for, oh, goodness, probably 10, 12 oh, wells okay. at this point. Yep. And so they've gone into different villages in Africa. So I can't even name necessarily where each of them are. So you don't have naming rights, the Amy Olson well, or well, there, you know. there's there's probably a couple. I think I have some Amy Olson and friends. Yeah, yeah, nice. Showing nice. up somewhere over there. Uh, just got a minute or two left. Uh, pickleball is that in your future? I'm serious because <laughs> I live on the north side and nothing gets by the north siders when Amy Olson's in the neighborhood. I think you were taking lessons from somebody. Is what one of my buddies said. And so you're getting serious about this game, and there are levels you can take in that game that we never thought about. I mean, there's a professional pickleball. Yeah, there is. Well, um, well, I I did play in a professional event about okay. 
yeah, a month ago. Yep. And it was really fun, and I got creamed, and I realized I got a long way to go. Um, but no, it's, you know, pickleball, I think for Grant and I, it's just such a fun thing where he gets off the football field, I get off the golf course, and Grant usually wants to go to the golf course, and I'm like, ah, I've already been there all day. So <laughs> yeah. pickleball is kind of that, that place where we can connect. It's just a really fun thing for us. And I've already made one sport a career, and I kind of want to make sure that pickleball stays fun. So I think it'll be probably just more of a hobby. Um, and definitely, yep, you'll see the Olsons out there quite a bit this summer. Good luck this year. Play well. Thank you, Jeff. I mean, it's, um, obviously you got a whole community behind you. You always have. And uh, so we'll be we'll be looking for good things. No, I appreciate it, and I definitely feel it. I I feel all the cheers and the claps. So I uh, I, I appreciate everybody cheering and following. And I mean, like I said, it's been ten years, and yeah. I, they're still cheering and following. So I sure appreciate that. Thank you, Amy. This is Jeff Kopak. We'll be back after this. I saw you slam your club in anger. A little Seinfeld to uh, humor us away on this uh, wintry week and weekend as we start to melt the snow. I thought no better time than to check on the weather and an established meteorologist and Seinfeld fan, Daryl Richardson of the director of the North Dakota Agricultural Weather Network joins us for the last segment. Hello, Daryl. Well, hello. It's great to be on with you again. Well, it's great to have you. And uh, obviously, uh, weather is rather important around here when it comes to golf. So... Let's throw it right on the spot, Daryl. Let's just, let's just get the uh, the big elephant out of the room. When are we going to get on the course? What's your best guess? My best guess is hopefully uh, the first weekend in May. Ooh, which would wow. be May 6th okay. and 7th. Um, I say that because it'll probably take two weeks to melt the snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in turn, it'll take a good solid week just to dry things out. And then, you know, by then we're probably talking uh, clearly um, in May, but hopefully uh, the courses can get ready, uh, the ones, you know, that don't flood along the rivers, and then we can get out then, which is, of course, very, very late. Mm-hmm. Um, back in my WDAY days, we'd always, like in January, early February, would have a bet to when the ranges would open, which is oftentimes, you know, say right away sometime in this time of the year would always be my, my guess. Boy, if we had that bet January this year, I don't think yeah. of us would have gotten it right. <laughs> this is late. Is this, where is this Daryl on the uncommon scale as far as a snowpack this late into spring? Very uncommon. Um, you know, oddly really about the only example um, in recorded history of Fargo weather, which goes all the way back to 1881, is that 1899, and then just 10 years ago in 2013. Uh, otherwise, it's really in many ways unprecedented um, to have snowpack get into April, let alone this year is even more than we had in 2013. And I'll be honest, 2013 spring, I thought, I, I'm just never going to experience this again. The snow did not officially um, melt until April 25th that year. 
granted, you know, many years we have piles into May just because we built huge mountains of snow every winter. But that year, the actual official snow cover was still one inch on April 25th. And this year, I think because of the weather the next couple of weeks, we might be able to get rid of it. You know, we'll still have the piles then, but maybe get rid of it before that. But again, that year was unprecedented, and I never thought I would see it again. And here we are, 10 years later, we're seeing it again. Well, I remember that. I, it, now that you brought it up, when I was coaching my 13-year-olds in 2013, we, our first practice was a wiffle ball game in the snow. So you're right. That's It is. Yeah. And I thought, wow, this is we'll never see this. So this is crazy. And now here we are 10 years later. Now, I've heard and I've talked to golf superintendents across the area. A couple of them had one on my show that last fall was pretty dry. The ground was dry. The river froze pretty low. The river's not high right now. Is that going to factor into potential flooding or how will it factor into potential flooding? I think like 13 quite a bit. Uh, You may recall, uh, Jeff, because you're in the news business and you know you're technically in sports, that you know there were some really high projections back in 2013. Um, some of the original projections were you know pretty good worry. You know this might be 2009 type scenario again, and instead we peaked out at uh, from memory I think it was around 32, 33 feet. You know much much lower than some of the original projections. And I think you know I'm not picking on future forecasting mm-hmm. because no one makes forecasts wrong on purpose. But 12 was so incredibly dry. Last year was really dry. We had a wet spring last year, but then it just never really rained a lot again, especially south of here. Uh, Richland and Wilkin County was just incredibly dry last summer, and that's, of course, where the Red River comes from in Fargo. And I think what happened in 13 was that we didn't peak the flood until early May, which was, in a way, unprecedented in the records, and we're kind of heading that way this year. And what happened that year is we were able to thaw the ground. Right now, the ground is frozen for the most part, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we were able to thaw it. And we all know living in the Red River Valley, the clay, you know, it's a shrink swell clay here. That, even if we can thaw the top one or two inches out, you have the capacity of just absorbing millions of gallons of water. And so I think this year, if we, we will probably do that to some degree, and yeah, we're going to flood, but, you know, every little bit we can absorb because that top one or two inches, and what I do end on, we have soil moisture probes all over the place. Yeah. Um, if we can absorb, even thaw that a little bit and absorb some of the water, it will lessen the impact of the flood uh, this year. And so that's you know, my thought process is because, again, they're right. It what, We really went into winter with very dry soil. Darrell Richardson, the director of the North Dakota Agricultural Weather Network, joins us on the Gulf Show. This is Jeff Kopak on 740, the fan. few minutes left with Daryl. I know Edgewood, they believe they don't have a lot of frost, if at all. Is that because of the snow cover and, and the early snow cover? Yeah, we went into, you know, we had a probably about as nice of an autumn last year as we can get in our climate. And so in turn, um, it, we were still really, really warm. And then we had that really big snow in December. So it covered the ground and just insulated it up. So you could go to, if you go to ndon.info, ndon.info, on the top, there's a tab called soil and you can see there's frost depth data there. And you'll notice a lot of areas, our sensors do not have much of a frost depth at all. So these areas that have the biggest drifts, there's no frost date. Our stations usually aren't drifted quite so much, though 
what we're showing might be a little bit deeper than other areas. So again, we don't have much of a frost depth. The April sun, you know, is very strong. We can only get so warm because of the snowpack. I'll be honest, this next week, next Tuesday and Wednesday, we would have had our first 70 of the season coming Mm. up if it wasn't for the snow. But it's like one degree per inch. So, you know, instead of hitting 70, we're going to hit 50 probably. And, you know, it's just the reality of things. But I'm telling you, though, that that sun is strong. It's like Labor Day sun angle now. So once the snowpack shrinks and we warm up that topsoil, it's going to thaw what is there, absorb some of the flood moisture. So, again, that is a net positive. But the other positive is once the ground gets bare, instead of spending all that energy melting ice in the soil, it will be used to warm up the soil, which will make the grass green faster, help with the golf courses, and improve. And I really, I've been speaking all winter and I've said, I really think April is going to be colder than average, which, you know, now it's pretty obvious. Ding, ding. Yep. No, but I said, I really, all of the way I do long range forecasting, May really looks promising to me. And it still does. And so I'm hoping then we'll make a really quick turnaround, green up the golf courses, get going. And then, you know, most of my job dealing with agriculture, get everyone back out in the fields you know, and still have a pretty yep. good plant season this year. Now, you have a pretty good feel for the network in the entire state and the weather in the entire state. I follow you on Twitter, and you're always posting stuff from all four corners. This show goes to all four corners. Where are we in the rest of the state? Just not concentrate here on the Red River Valley, but what what about elsewhere? Well, you know, say a Bowman, for yep. example, in the southwest corner, you know, they would have an opportunity to hit 70 degrees next um, week. Say especially Tuesday and Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, down there would probably be their best time frame because there really isn't much snow there. Um, so, for instance, if you look at Anstar next week, you might cry yeah. if you're in the Red River Valley right, because right. Uh, where there is no snow on the ground, they will live up to their expectations a little bit more. And then the far northwest corner, there's some areas that don't have much snow, too. So, I mean, they're in a completely uh, different um, category out there, you know, say... Um, the links, you know, east of um, Williston, you know, that would be an area that might be able to open faster than if you really want to play golf someplace um, locally or, you know, rather than heading south, for an example, to keep an eye on because they have snow on the ground, but not, you know, quite as much as other areas. So they're going to melt off fast. They have sandier soils out in the west. So their golf courses are going to drain a little bit faster, clear up, you know, be much faster than, say, my projections here in the Red River Valley would be. All right, brother. We'll see you on the course in May. Yeah, I hope so. Thanks. That's Daryl Richardson, the director of the North Dakota Agricultural Weather Network. This is Jeff Kopak. Thanks again for Amy Olson for joining us for the first part of the show. Great stuff from Amy. Good luck to her this year in a lot of ways. And thanks to Daryl for joining us to give us the weather update. This is Jeff Kopak. Until next week, hit him straight.